1: or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello. Welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Kelsey Cook. She's a filmmaker, director, writer, and a health coach. How are you doing today? Great.
0: Thank you. How are you? I am doing well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We we were just talking about how we both made the move from a California yes, like LA area mm-hmm. to Tennessee Middle Tennessee and talking about how different it is over here. Yes. So maybe you can uh, start with that. Tell us a little bit about, you had an interesting reason for moving and that whole trajectory.
0: Yeah. So, um, the short of it is, um, my husband and I are filmmaking partners. And so we had a whole career in Los Angeles, but during the pandemic, of course, everything shifted for a lot of people in the industry. And for us, Um, we actually decided to make a movie. So we did that, which I know we'll get to in a minute. But we accidentally, uh, by chance, sort of um, made the movie in Tennessee, near Nashville area, Mm -hmm. kind of in a made-up town in the middle of Tennessee, and uh, never thought we would move here. Uh, but somehow things kind of just led here and we got wind that the industry was really building here for filmmakers. Um, it's always been this music town here, but mm-hmm. but filmmakers uh, in particular started moving out this direction. There's so many incentives and uh, so much support here. And so we came to check it out in January of this year and completely fell in love. Mm-hmm. And we just found that there was so much opportunity. We wanted to be a part of it.
1: So mm-hmm. I, I just want to tell the audience that this is a complete lie. It's really <laughs> terrible here, and everybody should make yes, sure they do not definitely come don't
0: move because here. Because traffic
1: is getting really bad, and I actually moved here to get away from that. So, oh, sorry about so that. So she's a liar, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so Maybe you could uh, talk a little bit about the differences in filmmaking in L.A. versus here.
0: Yeah, there are some really big differences, and I think that's part of the – what we feel we've been purposed to come out here for, Mm -hmm. I think our, our, a huge part of our purpose in coming out here is to help facilitate, um, kind of the moving up of the industry out here, if you will, and taking that bar and raising it significantly because I think that they've been doing a really good job. I've heard that some people are that have been here for a while are kind of set in their ways. And so, you know, I want people to know that if they're here and they're filmmakers and I'm not trying to um, come in and like, you know, take charge and just change everything or make it like Hollywood. We came out of Hollywood to, to um, make some big changes and to get away from that um, idea that we had to be locked down. You know, Hollywood is like this abusive relationship where your partner is like, you need me and you're nothing without me. And that is what we're trying to get out of.
1: Although anybody in Hollywood knows that if you, you've made it in Hollywood when you leave Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> That can be true, for sure. That, that That's kind of the running joke in Hollywood, that yeah. you know you've made it when you can when leave. you can get
0: out. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> Start doing all, your own all, thing.
1: all the people who've, quote-unquote, made it have
0: left. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they come in to film, although very
1: little films yes. in L.A. anymore
0: anyway. Yeah, well, there's not as many incentives, and I think – you know, even the governor sent out a letter saying like, please come back <laughs> because, you know, a lot of people had left. And I think that has made a significant impact. But the biggest realization that most filmmakers have had and we have, and I'll say, I'll say not most filmmakers in general, but I think independent filmmakers mm-hmm. is that you don't have to be in Hollywood to create art or to create film. Sure. And in fact, there are just, my mind has been blown in, in being a part of the, the, um, the film festival circuit, which our film, mm-hmm. fest, our film has been a part of this year. One of the biggest things I learned was that, um, about film commissions and, and mm-hmm. creating relationships with film commissioners yeah. in your state is one of the most valuable things. And I look forward to meeting and and getting in touch with the film commissioner in, yeah. uh, in Tennessee. If you're listening, call, yeah. call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so I'm for independent
1: filmmakers, mm-hmm. that's a huge, huge resource. Yeah. And most, uh, most independent filmmakers don't realize that yeah. they have no idea how that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a in L, even in uh, L A there was a lottery system uh, in order to get you know tax incentives. Yeah, Yeah, and I
0: didn't even know much about it because I just, I literally have learned about all of that since I've left. I've just had this massive (laughs) education this year about all that whole world that I didn't know that I could take advantage of as a filmmaker. So I will
1: share just really quickly uh, because I want to get into uh, your film, but I was producing a film. We thought we raised $3 million. It turned out that my my business partner was a a total scam artist, and we actually never the the funds, oh my gosh. Uh, or I never received the funds, but I actually made it into the lottery. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, they called me and I literally cried. I mean, oh. I was devastated because I told them, well, we lost the funding, it oh. didn't come through. Uh, so I can't, in con- good conscience, you know, accept the. Uh, my spot in the lottery and they said they were actually really really gracious they told me Good. they would give me a couple of weeks to resource the funding i was like it's three million dollars like I'm not, it took me two years to source this oh man <laughs> i'm not going to just resource it in two weeks <laughs> and they said well you can try which i i was really shocked i yeah. didn't expect them to be so so nice and yeah. Uh, patient yeah uh, but i was devastated because yeah. it's so hard to get into that system and, but, yeah It's a very, uh, small number that get picked every year. So yeah, my
0: little, uh, well, I will say, you know, one of the biggest, I think that's one of the biggest differences to answer your question, Mm -hmm. um, between LA and here in the Nashville area is, um, you know, obviously there is a lack of resources here. I think we're trying to build that up. You see that in people, you know, Mm -hmm. building studios here, which is great. We need sound stages. We need places to work. We need, um, we need resources uh, and uh, and funding and all of that. You know, sure. I think that's a big deal. And um, I, I have seen, I've been on set for a few independent movies out here. Just, okay. um, it's been a great education in seeing um, what great quality uh, a work there is out here, and just sort of um, the people that are are being hired on set, um, the people who are working behind the scenes are just w- a wonderful caliber of people. It's just oh, um, they're the set. Culture is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really excited to be a part of that. I think that what we're missing here is um, organization. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a level of professionalism. um, Some things that, even working in the union, you don't have to work union or non union. Like it doesn't matter. There should still be a level of professionalism um, in a lot of ways, like giving breaks and making sure that, you know, your cast members are fed or, you know, (laughs) like you don't go eight hours without eating anything or, somebody's looking out for everybody even uh the little people like the extras that are on you know and I would say that those are not little people like you know everybody film doesn't get made without the extras yeah you can't get made so I think but I think that it's not so much that they don't care about things like that but just that it's a lack of I don't know maybe experience or um or just the organization factor Mm. about what jobs who's doing what yeah, yeah. I wonder how of much a of its budget disconnect. budget oriented.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, I, I, I was an actress and producer yeah. as well, so I'm very familiar with this. You're hiring a whole other staff. Yeah. Uh, usually, it's multiple staff members, right? It's yeah. the More PAs and more sure. assistants, and um, and then the catering. You yeah. Know? So it's a. Yeah, I think that that was... Totally. and and there are more non-union products, yeah, uh, projects here, yeah, and so I agree with you, regardless whether it's union or not. But union, you're required. There to are in order protections
0: to, there, which I appreciate. I am yeah. a union member. I'm a mm-hmm. SAG-AFTRA member, and that's why. Uh, you know, I know as a filmmaker, yeah. it is a really big pain in the butt to yes. go through all the hoops, and I'm yes. still going through them with my film yes. with SAG-AFTRA, <laughs> and I'm a member. Like I get it, they, but there's a reason for that, and they are they do their job, which is to protect the actor ultimately. Um, Although they
1: don't actually do the job of a union, yeah, a union is supposed to get your members. Oh, there work. are.
0: Oh, there are <laughs> plenty of, and they do the opposite. They they yeah. create
1: a catch twenty two to make they it make really, it really, really hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
0: well, I'll, I'm the perfect example. I worked my entire life in the industry, and right. I wasn't union. i I've, I've I've had an agent since I was seven years old. Wow. Um, and I've worked on a ton of film and, and television that you've probably never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have a case. I feel like with me, it was the case of the um, almost got it. It's so like I was definitely second in line for so many feature films that you would recognize. Yes. Um, and really so that. that was yeah. like my <laughs> big. Yeah. I like almost claimed to fame. That was my entire life. <laughs> I totally and get it. Yeah. And I think, though, that that was a protection. I feel like that this, feel I'm now coming cute. into my moment. As an actor, producer, writer, director, I feel like I'm just now taking all of that experience and that that the purpose of all of that, I'm like sometimes like, God, like why Mm -hmm. did you have me work my entire life and always get like – almost get it. You know, right, like, right. why? I, that was me every single time. And they'd be like, oh, we loved you. But, you know, we went with this other girl because she was a redhead. And you're like, well, I can't control that, you know, right. but that was well, always or, or I could the just case. dye my
1: hair. <laughs> like,
0: right. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I do feel like I'm now coming into this moment where I, f- I finally have taken all of that experience yeah. and now I'm using it to make an impact in the industry. And that's my goal. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. So tell me a little bit about this film. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when we were kind of twiddling our thumbs during the pandemic, we were just on the side of the fence and, and and you didn't have to be. I think there was a lot of like pressure to do something. And some people took that moment to rest. And I think that's amazing. But mm-hmm. for us, we were just itchy to do something. And we felt like this was a, a moment that mm-hmm. we could take that we where we could take advantage of doing something great. So we're like let's make a feature film, but how do we do this quickly? Um, you know, without taking all that time to write an entire script and all of mm-hmm. this. And so my husband and I, we went through the Groundlings program mm-hmm. in Hollywood. It's a sketch comedy program, an improv school um, that many people have come through um, SNL for. Like you've, sure. you've seen, you know, Melissa McCarthy, Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiig, all of the greats. In fact, Chloe Fineman mm-hmm. is a really great friend of ours um, and was mm-hmm. in Sunday Company with my husband. My husband, Chris. And so we have been through that and Chris made it all the way to main company. Um, And so we have all this improv experience and we were like, well, why don't we just write from beginning to end kind of like an outline, but create it as like an improv film. So scene to scene. Mm -hmm. um, And we work directly with the actors to develop their characters. We're like, great. This is the best way that we can make a film really fast, you know? Right. So we did. We spent about two months just coming up with um, the the script or outline. Really, Mm -hmm. it was like a twenty eight page outline. And we had uh, the general idea for the dialogue um, and relationships. We spent most of our time developing the characters, which we feel yeah. like is the most important thing sure. in a movie. Um, and because you can stick characters anywhere. If you're in love with the characters, you don't really care what they're doing. You just want to yeah. watch them, you know? And you so, connect with them like you would yeah, people. Yeah, totally. Um, and so we also took from what we know, which is the world of theater. Chris and I grew up, we met doing community theater in college. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, did kind of the Broadway thing for about seven years in New York city after we got married. And then we came back to LA to do more television and film. And that's how we ended up back in LA. But we knew theater, like we grew up in it, we loved it. And so we're like, what, what happens when a small town theater tries to reopen after being hit with a global pandemic? Mm -hmm. and so you know we kept seeing all these really funny articles about how you know high schools were trying to start up their bands again and they were having to be in these like pods like you would Mm -hmm. see them in this pod they're just trying to everyone was trying to figure it out and that's where you got some of the most hilarious moments where I feel like now we can kind of look back and laugh a little bit about you know how to move on you know you saw people trying to like hug you each other in plastic bubbles and all these funny things and so we took all those funny moments and we're like this is how this small town theater is going to try and figure this out Mm -hmm. so they can perform again we set it in the middle of Tennessee in like a small town in Tennessee Um, again not having any idea we would want to move here and um, and we came out here to shoot just b-roll we shot most of the interior stuff at the Groundlings Theater Mm -hmm. Um, and it took us Uh, 18 days that we shot, but it took us six months because of all of the hoops and the crazy stops and starts um, because of the pandemic. We were literally in the middle of the height of the pandemic trying to shoot this thing. So that's why it took us six long months. Um, There were a lot of really fun and funny moments that we just had to deal with in order to get it done but that's how it was made, yeah. So fully improvised, um, based on an outline, and um, and then we just figured it out scene to scene, yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you shot it mostly here?
0: Yes. No, no, okay, oh. so the Groundlings Theater is where all the interior stuff was shot, our okay. scenes, interviews. We started with interviews because at the height of the pandemic and before, um, you know, people really knew what the virus was and all right. of that, we... Um, you know, everyone was still, there was a lot of fear. And so we were like, okay, we're going to just shoot one person interviews at a time. We're going to do it that way. And that's kind of where that style from the office, if you've seen the office or parks Mm -hmm. and rec, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of mockumentary style um, Mm -hmm. of film. And that was the easiest thing because of the situation we were in. So we would Mm -hmm. take a moment, we would take a day and shoot one person just with, you know, sometimes it would be me and Chris. Sometimes it would be with Chris and our filmmaking partner Uh, Matt Coppin, who was our director of photography, co-director, and he helped us write it as well. And so our filmmaking partner would come in and shoot it and Chris would direct or I would come in and be on script uh, supervision or whatever. I wrote and produced it. So I was overseeing the entire thing. Um, But we kept our crew very, very tiny Mm -hmm. uh, because of the pandemic. So we started doing it that way.
1: Okay. So so most of it was filmed in L A.
0: Yeah. So, so most of it was what, filmed there. Mm-hmm. What was the time frame
1: like where in the pandemic? Because it yep. was a union film or it was not?
0: It was union
1: actually. So we were so, there a lot of hoops that you had to
0: Yes, and still this speaks to what I'm still mm-hmm. going through because um we knew that a lot of the actors that we were using, a lot of these are, are groundlings and they're um kind of on the cusp of being famous really. They're mm-hmm in the middle of shooting other things, um, you know, Patty Guggenheim just came out. Uh, she's one of the main characters on Mm She-Hulk right now. And, um, Emily Pendergast just, she's done a ton of stuff. She was on Veep, but she just came out with a new series that she's a main character in called Out of Office created Mm -hmm. by the creators of The Office. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we knew uh, Leonard Robinson, he's amazing. He's, Mm -hmm. um, on Insecure right now. So we knew that they could never get, the okay from their representation to do this unless it was unions. And mm-hmm. we wanted to work with people who already had the improv and sketch comedy experience that we needed to make this film and trust our actors to do the job. Sure. So I knew actually mm-hmm. really stuck up for this cause we kind of argued about it a lot, but I actually knew that we needed to go sag after it, but the only way to do it because we didn't have a budget, we crowdfunded mm-hmm. for most of it. And so we didn't really have a budget to work with and we knew we couldn't afford to pay people right away. So Mm -hmm. we did um, what they came out with during the pandemic. It's called a micro budget Mm -hmm. contract and they Mm -hmm. came out with it during the pandemic because they wanted to see people keep creating, Mm -hmm. but they knew people wouldn't be, you know, independent filmmakers couldn't afford to do it. So we drew up a contract just with SAG-AFTRA using these union actors Mm -hmm. and then upon distribution now, since we're now talking about distribution offers, we now have to switch the contract. So it's like, you know, it's messy, but we were able to get the job done with, under the union with their blessing. Were
1: there uh, like pandemic requirements
0: for your film? So I actually became a COVID officer, (laughs) an official COVID officer. Um, which mean it's kind of have changed a little bit in the industry. Um, and at first, so I did this whole online zoom, uh, certification process. Um, and so I basically had to just equip us with all the masks and, um, sanitation stuff that had to be available. We tested. And, um, again, this is starting January, 2021, like Mm -hmm. January 3rd, we started shooting. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, there was still a lot of unknown factors sure about COVID. And so I just followed all you know, we checked temperatures and there were just a list of all the things that we had to do. And um and that also played into our film too, you know, in a really funny way. Okay. Because of uh, you know, we had one of our characters, uh two of our characters are C D C um, like officials that come in to check if the theater has set up all the things that they've required, you know, in order to open. And, and so there's some really funny moments, but, um, but what's great is that it's very neutral. The film we kept, um, you know, it's not political, it's Mm -hmm. not one way or the other. It's something that everyone can appreciate because, um, it just speaks, it it allows, uh, speaking to what one audience member said, she said, thank you for allowing me to laugh again, to laugh at all of us. And I feel mm-hmm. like it gave me permission to just kind of take a breath and, and just laugh about some of the silliness that went on, you know? Yeah. I think we definitely needed that <laughs> for sure. Bringing joy back. And that was our mm-hmm. main goal mm-hmm. with this was to really to, um, and with everything, you know, with, Chris and I, we have this production company called This is Hard to Read. It's very mm-hmm. fun. It's just so silly of a name. But we love it. This is hard Because we want to bring joy. We want everything mm-hmm. that we do to bring joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we say we make comedy with heart. And, um, and so that's what we wanted to do. And as funny and ridiculous as everything is in this film, in the end, it really leaves you with um, kind of the feeling that we all felt with you know, needing people and wanting to bring hope and joy to the world. So. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, there was a definitely a loss of that. And I think with the atomization
1: of everyone, people were feeling very alone uh, and filled with despair. Yeah. So, yeah, so great to bring the yeah. joy and the comedy and the humor. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on like film and culture and uh, the role that it plays and how it can be used and And if you have any uh, I, goals in that,
0: yeah, regard. you know, I just listened to a clip that somebody sent me this morning on Instagram that really spoke to how impactful film is in our culture. Yeah. Um, and how um, how we can bring and support film in bringing this positive aspect, like they used Braveheart as an example of mm-hmm. how it really changed people and changed culture Mm -hmm. and brought this, you know, idea of freedom. And, um, it's just such a symbol of that, you know? And, and so, um, you can really, I think be a force for good Mm -hmm. or for evil or Mm -hmm. for the bad or whatever you believe in, in, uh, in our culture through art and film is a huge part of that. And so, um, we, like I mentioned with just the heart of bringing joy and hope, I think that's um, I think with comedy specifically, yeah. we ha- as a culture have forgotten how to laugh because we're so afraid of offending. offending. Yes. Um, we've become so sensitive that we are so worried. And I think that's another huge reason we just had to get out of L.A. because I feel like um, uh, there, it, it really um, just, uh, it sort of is an end to, you know, the freedom to create without, without um, thinking without, you know, uh, inhibition, it's just mm-hmm. like, you're just so afraid that you're going to say something wrong. And there's this whole culture of just like, be careful because you'll get canceled or mm-hmm. you'll, you know, there's a huge fear. And Chris and I laugh at each other sometimes because we're like, we were afraid of getting canceled, but we're nobody. Like, what do they have to cancel <laughs> us from? You know, like we, and I think again, going back to the reason, like, I'm just really grateful that I never became famous as a child or mm-hmm. really got any amount of what Hollywood would call success because, um, because I have a different perspective now in Mm -hmm. how I want to, um, create. And I didn't get into all of the Hollywood, um, stuff. That's Mm -hmm. just the negativity of all of that. And, um, Chris and I as partners now can really look at how we can make an impact for good, um, through comedy and, um, you know, not picking one side or the other, but just bringing good quality comedy to the world again. I think if you if you look at all of the comedies that are out there right now on Netflix, um, stuff that's coming out in the theater, um, there's not a lot. And it's actually mm-hmm. something that production companies, distribu- distributors um, around the world are looking for desperately because mm-hmm. there has been a very, um, a big loss in mm-hmm in comedic films that have come out Sure. even series you've seen a dip i should say in a real dip in the amount of content that has come out and i think that has a huge uh has been a huge impact on on the amount of comedies that we've seen is because people are just afraid to create it yeah <laughs> and i get why and of course we want to be sensitive and i think all the things that we have learned through the pandemic have been good things it's just that like it's, have we taken it so far that we have ruined comedy, creative people from mm-hmm. creating? Yeah. I don't know. It's something to think about. I, I, I would say it
1: ruins humanity. You know, humanity can't uh, go forward. You know, they, they talk about progress. Mm-hmm. I, I, usually they mean regress. Yeah. But, but actual uh, evolution of humanity need, requires hope. And yeah. without joy, without hope, without comedy... You don't have the coping mechanisms in order to get through things that are hard, like a pandemic. Or like, even without the pandemic, just the policies around the pandemic. People being shut down, people not being able to work, people being told to distance from each other and uh, cover their faces, which is how you connect with another Mm -hmm. human being. So I I think that the value of natural comedy is so incredibly important. That's a, you know, what that was... Chekhov is like yeah. the master of that, right? In the darkest of times, he yeah. he would write these, you know, really really dark topics and dark scenarios, yeah. and it was some of the best comedy because that's how people cope. They cope yeah. with difficult things, right? So, yeah. they, I think that's really powerful and it's really important. Yeah, um, I'm curious what you you said that you noticed. You feel now, reflecting, that you're kind of glad that you missed the boat. You know, with mm-hmm. what Hollywood would deem success, because I, yeah. you're a success in my eyes. I would think. Oh, I would hope you're a success you. in your eyes as well. Yes. Uh, but yes, Hollywood, quote yeah. unquote, success. Uh, I very much feel the same way. Like in hindsight, I'm kind of grateful that I, you know, missed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm curious if you could speak a little bit to what it is you see. That may have been darker, or some of the negativity yeah. that you were alluding to, and what your vision for where you want to go—that you don't think you could have done otherwise if you yeah. had stayed inside that path.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know I, I do have friends that were that I grew up with who were you know fairly famous mm-hmm. uh, growing up, and mm-hmm. I saw the sacrifices they had to make in their childhood, or you know things like that. So lots of aspects. Um, I think though that I'm in a place, um, that I haven't ever been before. I think I've, I've discovered who I am and, and what I was created to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm much more focused and, um, less deterred by the glitter and the Mm -hmm. glam of Hollywood, which listen, I wouldn't mind. It's just that I don't need that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I don't need it, but I think that I, I think I'm in a better position to have a platform and to make a greater impact that won't also deter me from who I am. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, you know, if, you know, we have some movie that we write that does become a huge hit. If this movie, you know, gives us a platform to do more good, mm-hmm. then that's what we'll do. It's not going to... Um, I'm not in a place anymore where I am going to be distracted by the, the glitz and glamor of Hollywood. And, and, you know, I think I would have been, I think I would have been tempted to say yes to some projects, um, that I probably shouldn't have done that would have made me question who I was or, compromise my values. And, um, I'm really steadfast in my values. I think having a family really changed me. Mm -hmm. I've got two amazing kids and they're five and eight, like boy and a girl, and they've really changed who I am and what I'm focused on. And really just to see, I think with the pandemic too, um, I think what it did for me was really just sharpen up what is, what really matters. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that life is short, mm-hmm. you know, and we just never know what curveballs life is going to send us. And so it helped me focus up, um, sure. on, on what really I'm here for and what I'm supposed to do. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think Hollywood, uh, growing up there, I worked so, so hard and, um, there were a lot of things that I learned about myself and, and also, Gosh, I think one of the hardest things as a woman in Hollywood is just dealing with all the rejection and all of the pain of feeling like you're not booking that or Mm -hmm. you got really close. Like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. like that was always really hard. Um, Definitely questioning things. I I have a, a funny little like TikTok video I did about The things that agents always told me or when I was in meetings, how, you know, they were like, oh, you're not, you know, you're pretty, but you're not gorgeous. Or, you know, you're, you, you know, you just don't have that star quality or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You would be mind boggled at things I heard when I was 11 and 12 years old. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and I went, Everyone goes through an awkward stage. I had frizzy hair that was actually curly hair. I just didn't know that because of hormones, I was getting curly hair. And then I had braces. Like we all have this awkward stage, you know, but. But hearing the things that I heard, um, you'd be horrified, you know, t- to, you know, and it, so some of those deeper, darker things about Hollywood that, um, I'm just, I, I imagine that if I would have booked this or that, that mm-hmm. it would have just gotten, gotten worse for me, you know? Right. And I still feel like I had a semblance of a childhood that I still had a wonderful childhood and I was still able to, um, do the Hollywood thing. Um, and I did a lot of significant projects, but, um, but now I feel like I'm in a better place where it's a level of maturity that I've never had. And like I mentioned, having a family and all these things, life just gives you experience. And I'm going to take all that life experience and now be so grounded in what I'm doing that I think I'll be able to have a greater impact, um, that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. No, yeah.
1: Um, what do you 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 talked about? Certainly, the cancel culture aspect. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you feel like Hollywood is changing uh, now. Uh, certainly, I mean the mediums have changed. You know, we went yeah. from going into theaters, oh, yeah. which is very rare these days. You know, even watching television, people don't wait a week to you know see their next uh, episode uh, on their yeah. favorite show. So there's certainly that, I think, has had some impact. But do you also feel like there's a a shift in the kinds of material that's being put forth?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, to just touch on the social media aspect, obviously, that has changed everything. And the other thing is that it's given everyone a platform. Mm -hmm. And so you see people. um, In fact, I'm in talks with somebody about a series um, right now. um, And it's sort of that comparison between me and These social media followers are people that have millions of followers, you know, but the problem with those people is that they're finding that it's not translating to the screen. And so these influencers who seemingly entertain millions and millions of people are actually not really good on screen (laughs) because they're not actors. And so for a minute, I think a lot of us have been worried About, oh, no, are they going to be taking our jobs now Mm -hmm. because, you know, these Hollywood executives want them to come on and because they're a TikTok influencer or whatever, um, you know, are they going to take my job as an actor? And it actually gave me a little bit of relief to hear Mm -hmm. that that was true mm-hmm. that, it, right. you know, the years of me training and doing this professionally and the thousands of dollars my parents spent and that I spent and on headshots and all this training that I've gotten over the years oh, totally. hasn't been for nothing because ultimately my talent, you know, stands completely differently than someone who seemingly is great on a phone, but not so great on film. So that gave me a little bit of relief, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I think, um, I, I do think people, um, I think the biggest thing was that we realized that we have the power, we have more power than, um, than we thought we did as Mm -hmm. filmmakers. I think as independent filmmakers, um, because of the lack of content that people need out there, it is allowing us to step in and go, well, what about this idea? What about that idea? um and kind of get our foot in the door as filmmakers because it feels like Hollywood's just running out of ideas you know yeah don't you they, feel that they do way a lot a of bit? remakes
1: and yeah, yeah. or based
0: on this book or based mm-hmm. on you know we're doing a remake of this other movie and um or, or you know the ones that sell are just those big blockbusters that of course I can't come up with a 100 million dollar budget as an independent filmmaker. And most of
1: those aren't even original either. You know, yeah. they're
0: based on a book a, yeah. or a remake of a another movie. Or yeah. Or, yeah. And they,
1: it's because they don't want to take risks. Yeah. So they're, you know, capitalizing on something that's a sure bet. Yeah, you know, exactly. More likely they think yeah. it's a sure bet.
0: Well, yeah. those commercial, you know, types of things, which I understand because that's why, you know, the movie theaters are struggling the way that they are. Mm-hmm. So they they're having a hard time getting people to the theater, so they're trying to figure out what is going to get somebody to the theater. And yeah, yeah, totally it's tricky.
1: That that's funny. What you said about the, uh, you know, the social media uh, yeah. influencers not being actors. Yeah. I I find vice versa. It's very different to act than it is to you know be yourself on yeah. like your phone. You totally, know? Yeah. it's yeah. a completely different thing. Totally different. Yeah, yeah. and in some ways, it's a. Uh, I think. <laughs> some ways, I actually think that's more vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Like to just be yourself and yeah. be in front of, right? Okay, but it's a it's different. They don't have the training either. Right. So, yeah. What would you like to see from the entertainment industry?
0: Oh, that's a great Good question. Time. What would I like to see? Um, I would like to see more, um, I don't know, going back to storytelling, uh, going back to... You know what? We're This is a great example. Okay, mm-hmm. so my husband and I get really frustrated at Christmas time because mm-hmm. it's been years since a really good Christmas movie came out. You know what I mean? I keep hearing this. Like, they're okay. They're cute. or Oh, that was Maybe. sweet. You know Maybe. what I mean? But, like, think about the era of, like, Elf and Home Alone and mm-hmm. all those classic movies. And we keep looking at the formula. We keep watching them just – for research purposes, like mm-hmm. what was it about these amazing movies that have become classics, Santa Claus and all these things. And like, why can't we bring this back? But I think about that too, with, with other comedies that we've been mm-hmm. seeing, cause we keep brainstorming new ideas that we're writing. Um, you know, and, uh, when you're pitching in the pitching process, part of it is like, okay, this is my project and it's, this movie meets that movie so that people mm-hmm. can kind of see, right? So we're just trying, we really do um, look at these other genres of film and go, okay, what was it about this like golden age of film or this, mm-hmm. you know, golden age of comedy? What was it about Seinfeld? What what was it about all these things? Um, I think Schitt's Creek actually did a really great job mm-hmm. of, Um, bringing characters back and the focus on characters. And that's kind of what really inspired us in our film was their uh, focus on characters and how long they took with each one. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that the film industry has forgotten about. I think they're so um, desperate to put out a big movie that, and they're so so desperate to just focus on the numbers and focus on how much revenue the movie is bringing in that they're not actually focusing on the quality of film.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that. There's also such a focus on the the, the technical aspect. Yeah. Right. So it, it's all the special effects yeah. and the you know, the CGI and what they can do with that. Yeah. And
0: that actually takes away from what what is the story? Yeah.
1: Who are these people? Who are these characters? Yeah, Why do really I really good
0: writing? Like I just wanna yeah. see writers um, pay more attention, you know, with all this stuff on Netflix and stuff that I'm seeing. We keep watching Netflix and going, no, don't say that. <laughs> You know, like, oh, no, don't. Or, you know, or we'll just guess what's about to come out of their mouth. And we're like, I knew it. I knew they were going to say that. Um, And um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the problem is. We're trying to, that's what we're trying to diagnose so that we can fix it as filmmakers. Interesting. Well,
1: I I think a lot of the problem is, you know, I used to think that they were, that Hollywood was really good at uh, messaging because, you know, they made entertaining products. Um, but I no longer think that because now I think that it's so overt, yeah. And they're kind of they've come very transparent, and it's it's become what I always uh, accuse. Uh, I think we were talking about this <laughs> earlier that you know I accuse uh, the religious people making films of being preachy yep. and the uh, uh, political right people who make films of being pedantic. Uh But now I feel like actually Hollywood has become so transparent that they kind of hit you over the head with their messaging. Yeah. And that's not entertaining. That's not... Well, it's
0: shown that people actually aren't interested in it. It's shown Mm -hmm. from box office numbers. You see it over and over again that people just aren't interested in getting political or any of that I think it's really interesting to see how people respond and now more than ever people respond with their wallets at the movie theaters and we can make a huge impact as theater goers yeah. on what movies we want to see more of because they're going to go oh shoot we spent you know 100 million dollars to make this movie and only got you know 18 at the box office or whatever um so I think I think people have more power than they realize as consumers yeah, I think that that's
1: a great point. And I hope people really take heed because I, I think if enough people, I don't think that, I, I have to be really honest, I don't think boycotting is a super effective yeah. uh, method, right? Yeah. But I, not that people shouldn't do it. You no. know, obviously yeah. boycott what you don't want to see more of. But I think boycotting yes. is very powerful. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So people yeah. should, with their purchasing Support power, with what their view. believe in, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yay. So, yeah. Well, I know that we are kind of pressed for time today. I would love to yes, do a part so much two. To Talk about. <laughs> I know. I know. And we can maybe get into the health stuff too because yeah. that's a passion of mine as well. So. Yes. But if you have anything else you want
0: to add, close out with,
1: and of course tell everybody where they can find you, find your movie and all that stuff. Yeah,
0: I would say just um, keep, we'll keep you posted on Mm -hmm. the distribution of our film. We're really excited to get it out in 2023. That's the goal. As soon as we can, we are um, just negotiating right now uh, with deals, which is exciting after a big festival run that we had. Um, we won everyone twenty two awards. Like, was that? I have to go back and check. I think twenty some awards that we won. Um, something really impressive. T-shirt. Congrats! <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. Um, we're excited to bring it to the fans, and um, you can find out more about that at reopeningmovie.com. dot um, And then I'm on Instagram at Kelsey Cook official. Um, and my husband and I are both on TikTok. You can find us too. Chris W Guerra is his uh, his fun TikTok guy name, and and yeah, I'm just Kelsey Cook official everywhere. So find me, and um, and we'll keep you posted on what's coming next.
1: Awesome, yeah. And your husband's a, a TikTok famous. Yes. We'll dive into that next time. But
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. that's a funny story. <laughs> All right. Thanks so Yay, much. Thank you so much. <laughs>